Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Pivas with True Cannabis. And today is episode 106, and we are very, very thankful and grateful to have our good friend Jamie Lowell on the show today. Jamie, how's it going, brother? It's going really well, and glad to be on the show again. It's been a little while, man, but I always love it, having a conversation with you guys. Yep, yep, I agree with you 100%. It's awesome every time we have you on. Any chance I get to sit down with you, Jamie, and, and, and chat it up, it's always a great time. You're super knowledgeable about marijuana, and, and uh, you, you share the same interest I do. And so it's easy to talk to you about this kind of stuff, so... Uh, grateful to have you back on the show. Uh, as always, we've got uh, our good friend uh, Tom Beller over at Relief Solutions. Looks like uh, you're at the uh, Cal Kushka Lounge, Tom. Is that your new office over there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Come see us. Yeah, I definitely am. Uh, I'm going to be coming up there um, in a couple of weeks for a, uh, a golf outing, and then the following week we'll be back up for the MICIA. So I'm going to try to swing through both times, so I'll connect with you uh, before we come up and uh, hopefully we can come up and uh, smoke a joint at the Kalkushka and uh, and see what that's all about. That one? You're going to save that one for me? No? Not that one? Okay. We'll, we'll get a different one. But uh, And uh, yeah, our, our seemingly uh, reoccurring uh, co-host who's now on, uh, what, fifth fifth show in a row? Is that right? Uh, we've got Nate da- Darling over at the headquarters of Redemption. Nate, how's it going, brother? Hey, Kevin. Thanks for the kind intro. It's going good today. Busy as ever. New products coming out and the industry's not slowing down. So things are uh, things are looking good and happy to have Jamie on for always a great guest to provide uh, an invaluable update on the industry. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Uh, Jamie's been around for forever in this industry. Uh, you know, for people that don't know Jamie, he was the uh, the founder of Third Coast Compassion down in Ypsilanti, one of the first uh, uh, dispensaries in the state of Michigan. Uh, he's the founding member of the the MAC. Uh, he was on the board of directors for the MI Legalize. He was an influential in drafting the Mertma legislation. Uh, he's a host, co-host of Jazz, Jazz Cabbage Cafe, regular panelist on Planet Green Trees and Medical Mondays. He's the board of directors for the Great Lakes Expungement Network. And in 2017, he was voted most influential top 10 marijuana people Mm. in the state of Michigan. Jamie Lowell, how's it going, brother? Good. Yeah, you just reminded me about that. Yeah. That uh, that was five years ago now, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. Been involved in a lot of different stuff, for sure. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. I haven't heard about, I haven't you know thought about some some of that for a little bit. So I appreciate you you researching and giving me an intro like that. That was very cool. Thank you. Yeah, dude. Seriously, um, you know when I think of the most influential person that I know, I think of uh, you and, and Rick Thompson. You know, you guys. Um, you know, you guys have always um, done this for the pure compassion of the people and for the love of the plant. Um, there's never ever been any kind of confusion as to why you guys do this. It, there's not money involved. It's none of that. And so um, I, I just I think it's super cool of you guys to have, have worked that way this whole time. And uh, yeah, I, I really refer to you as, as one of my great friends and, and an ally in this in this battle that we have against corporate greed. You've been a big big supporter of the caregiver system. And uh, yeah, I, I really have a ton of respect for you, Jamie. So yeah, I wanted to give you the the welcome that you deserve. Yeah, uh, you, you've man. been on the show before, and I wanted to recognize all the things that you've done in the past because it is it is very substantial. 
Right on. Very much appreciate it. And likewise. Yeah, of course, you know, um, and, and Tom and, you know, I know you've, you've been very active too, so I should have probably given you a big uh, list of things as well. I don't need a list. We're good. You can tell his confidence is a little bit down from that. No matter he gives that strong exterior, you can kind of tell he's hurting inside. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So Jamie, we wanted to, uh, you know, kind of just bring you on and and get an update from you on where you see things going, uh, in the market. You know, I was down, um, at uh, Harry Barash's uh, uh, the the smokeout, the hot box social down in uh, down in uh, uh, Hazel Park a few weeks ago, right near where I, I live. I wish I would have uh, timed it to cross paths, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I guess it was more like a month ago, but you know, when I was down there, I, I ran into a uh, lobbyist that I know from back in the day, and and he was uh, he walked up to the group and he kind of was uh, you know uh, pushing his agenda. He he kind of said, uh, "So are you guys getting tired of this black market stuff?" You know and Everybody was kind of like, yeah, you know, that's a real pain, you know. And then he was like, well, you know, we're going to get some movement on our bills this this uh, this coming up uh, next session. You know, we're going to get those black market bills to uh, to re- to get the black market people off the off of uh, you know having an influence on the legal market, blah blah blah. And I kind of sat there for a minute and I was like, man, I didn't even heard of this. What is he? What is he? T- and I was like, wait, are you talking about the bills that that'll get rid of the caregivers? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that that bill. I'm like, oh wait, wait a minute, like you're talking black market you're talking caregivers you're putting them in the same sentence and i have a real problem with that and i kind of pushed back on him real hard about the whole situation you know because you know it's my opinion and i know jamie you share the same opinion that you know um they don't need to be legislating the caregivers out of the market right um we've already seen and i saw it because i was in colorado with the implement uh implementation of of, uh legalization we saw a dip in, in in flower price right and it really became an unviable business for these big um, you know, supposed black market caregivers, you know, to pump their, their, their flour onto the market. And it became unviable and people started to get out of the market, just like we're kind of seeing here in Michigan. And I think that if, if people believe that the caregivers are the biggest problem on, on the black market, we're going to see real quick because it's becoming unviable for the caregivers and there's no need to legislate them out of the equation. And I think it's just bad for business. Uh, it's bad for PR for these big corporate companies because they become the target. Uh, for everybody's aggression, because they're irritated that they're, you know, pretty much out of out of business or out of out of the, this this whole thing, and and uh, and so I think it's very naive on their part, and so the the caregiver bills are kind of coming back up on on the on the table right now. I kind of wanted to get your opinion and, and see what uh, you know kind of update you have for us as to what you think is going to happen with that. Well, I mean, first of all, you you know, kind of describe one of the many issues with decision making being done while lacking historical and cultural perspective um, with cannabis and when the big money interests try to hurt the caregiver system because they believe it's a I mean they do it under the guise of stupid shit like oh this is a health issue or whatever and and it's and there's no evidence or nothing to substantiate that they just in hysteria try to create this this issue out of thin air and get some movement on it but when they uh, try to attack the caregiver system, believing that it's uh, a competition to their bottom line. They also expose a profound ignorance, and uh, and those are the types of the reasons that bad decisions are made. You know, because they're they're not understanding of what actually is going on, and they're just hurting people. Um, they're not actually helping themselves out in any way. So what I have heard is that the the anti caregiver bills. Uh, 53 house bill 5301 mainly it's part of a package of bills it itself is part of a three package thing 5300 to 5302 house bill 5301 is the one that would amend 
um, the Michigan Medical Marijuana Act. And amidst other things, it would peel back existing caregiver rights. And that's really our litmus test. We don't think that they're, I mean, when I say we, I'm talking about a general advocacy, activist kind of consensus, uh, you know, and uh, and a lot of, and supported by a lot of people in the industry, uh, you guys and the uh, MICAA participants generally, and, you know, and that type of thing. It's really everybody against these big greedy corporations that want to use their influence and resources to you know benefit themselves where's the data that actually supports that there is any like caregiver i mean has there been you know plant counts i mean people actually checking in i mean you can have 72 plants what's you know if somebody exceeds the 72 plant count like where's the data that supports that there's any that this is a problem of caregivers and not just people importing black market flour from the west coast and not to mention some you know licensees that have engaged in in that type of activity and are currently probably are you know where's the where's the where's the backup on that instead of creating laws based upon perceived issues you know maybe you know get some real information yeah, well, I don't think there's been any complaints about caregivers that the State Department could report on, that the CRA has. Um, the caregivers that we are talking about have been participating in this program, some of them for, you know, 13 years or whatever. And uh, and there are really no issues that can be pointed to that have come out of that. Now, they're, now when they describe the caregivers, they they seem to include as kevin said you know these people that are willing to regularly exceed limitations and um you know do whatever they want to do now whether they are also in the caregiver registry they are people who are willing to exceed limitations so if you hurt the caregiver system you don't necessarily stop the activity that they're trying to address and the rules are already written like that's you can't exceed it so enforce the law that way instead of trying to create new ones we don't need new new legislation and uh i i agree with that i'd like to get that point across fortunately there are some things in the legislature going on some lawmakers who really were understanding of our frustration of the many stakeholders available who could have meaningful input into cannabis laws and whenever you're going to change the people's act really there, there should be a it should be a big consideration and there should be uh, you know, work groups and those who have input there. Go ahead. Tom. Take it back to the people. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Take it back to the people then. If you think that, yeah. you know, that's. So what least. you're left with is these big money interests unilaterally driving this language that just is designed to benefit themselves. You know, that should be a red flag for everybody. And some of the lawmakers have started kind of a, a cannabis, you know, work group that uh, the idea is to try to, to get into the next session with it and be positioned that when people are looking to change the acts whatever they are or significantly cannabis laws that that group would automatically be included in on the discussion and uh, that would help out a lot because we've just been bypassed you know in a lot of these things well and as as kevin said uh time and time again this is from like a pr marketing standpoint this is a real kind of downer issue to touch for some of these larger brands that every time you know they i mean i I don't even know how they got some of the ads through on facebook how they did about the uh the mcma was doing uh, awareness ads for health and safety of untested cannabis i have no idea how they got those ads through because 
you know, there's things that are an eighth as on the nose and they weren't even trying. There was pictures of flour, pictures of bud. I, don't, I have no idea how they got those through. And I don't know if it was they got their Facebook rep to say, hey, this is a health and safety thing. But, um, you know, time and time again, these big issues, these big companies try to say, hey, you know, caregivers, dangerous, untested cannabis. And time and time again, it's a it's a losing issue to touch if you're looking at it from a purely, you know, you know, PR standpoint, I, I just don't know who's pushing this. I mean, we do know who's pushing this and why they're pushing this. But um, from a PR standpoint, I guess if I were them, I'd probably spend some more time and effort on making a really good product, competitive brand, and have a really good marketing strategy than I would trying to constantly attack uh, issues that just get you on very, very, very shareable boycott lists. So Steve Linder has officially retired. I'm sure you could discuss it on the show or acknowledge that. And um, he's been one of the driving forces of what we would consider the stupid strategy to this exposure of ignorance, this hurting of the caregivers for no good reason type thing. And there's some indication, there's some discussions going on from what I understand, um, not with me directly, but discuss with me that the new leadership and, and, and Mark Fisk included in that from Byram Fisk, it's, uh, is that a PR firm? Yes. I believe him. And, and Diane Byram of that firm was involved in 2008 um, with uh, the campaign for medical marijuana. So they're kind of utilizing a little bit, oh, we've been involved in this for a long time type thing, but that's that's the only connection. And she did a good job too, by the way. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was successful. And there's some recordings of her engaging with like Shooty and others, and she did a really good, good job in those you know exchanges and stuff like that but uh there's some indication that they might want to abandon you know trying to peel back caregiver rights and um look more toward how there could be the type of needed um regulatory overview and 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 enforcement from within the um you know commercial system itself and try to look at easing up some of the costly restrictions and prohibitions and things like that and to make things more efficient and functional as opposed to worrying about you know hurting this system that's worked fine for years and hasn't caused any issues so there's some indication that there might be some good conversations like that and if so um you know i'm hopeful well i can tell you jamie the, the person that i talked to down at the hotbox social when i gave him my point of view on the whole situation and he realized that they could be doing the exact same thing without actually forcing it down anybody's throat he was like dumbfounded and shocked that there was even an avenue to doing that like like you said like pure stupidity of not even looking at it through another lens to try to come up with something that makes more sense to this i mean you lack perspective so you so you, make, so you don't make a great decision i mean that's yeah yeah and and at the end of the day Nobody in the state of Michigan, nobody is anti-multi-state operators. That's not the problem here. Like, I don't care if if Kroger comes in and, and other out-of-state operators come in or whoever comes in and wants to wants to be here. I'm, I'm cool with that. It's just, let's have a fair level playing field and let us all compete at the same starting point. I mean, you're already going to have a huge advantage because you got tons of money and tons of backers and all that stuff. And if you can't do it with that, and now you got to go and kind of, in my mind, cheat to get to the front of the line. The, the, that's where I think that there's a, there's a real problem, you know. And, and and I wanted to also say when they when they make those comments about 
you know, protecting the patients, having safer weed. These are the same people that are re remediating all of their flour, like preemptive remediation. Like we don't even know if it has any mold on it, but we're just going to remediate it anyway, without knowing like what the long-term effects of having these these agents and, and radiation and, 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 and then the spores still there that are supposedly dead that you're smoking. I mean, like, it's just crazy to sit here and, 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 and talk patient safety with these people. I mean, it's just, it's absurdity, right? You know, so, um, you know, well, and, and that- part of the smoke and mirrors, I'm sorry, was like Linder producing this data from caregiver product that was entered into the metric system via Wasn't that ridiculous? rule 19, you know, and, and, I, and, but, while it's ridiculous, it was impressive to even well-intended, friendly lawmakers who went, oh no, here's some proof that we should really be doing something about this. And fortunately, I've been able to have, you know, and with others and, and support from, from, you know, reliable, credible sources, be able to have the discussion why that's not reliable um, with which to judge the, the caregiver system as we are discussing it. And the, the small gar gardens, don't need mandated testing. However, testing is available and many choose to test. The care, the, the patient can all can always choose to choose a caregiver who will let them be part of the garden or let them know exactly what their cultural practices are, if they're comfortable with it, test if necessary, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. You don't need to mandate it. Now, when you have a big, huge, not huge, but a large commercial, you know, uh, scenario and product is destined to be distributed all over the state potentially, you know, there has to be some kind of vetting process so the consumer feels, you know, comfortable that it's not contaminated with pesticides or, you know, or whatever, you know, that type of thing. So uh, we've had those discussions and it takes a little while because, you know, protect the children, all that kind of, uh, you know, sensitive kind of approach that, you know, the, the lobbyists know are effective, you know, we're, we're challenged with. Good news is it's not the truth. So. The lawmakers who are willing to actually listen to the truth, who are not transactional, uh, you know, can be talked to and reasoned with, and we've been successful with that, e even against all those large resources. And, and and that includes like enough people, like the MICAA, you know, very important, you know, organizations like that to be in that position, and you know, a group of people, including Robin, who is who was there very genuinely that was not like a an opportunistic thing or something like that that was years of experience leading up to, to that you know and that's why you know one one of the many reasons why that organization is so effective and why it's on the right side of history generally too and i think you know it's what really gets to me kind of coming you know with like a pr background on some of this stuff is whenever people are playing both sides of the fence on stuff kind of how kevin mentioned where it's they're trying to scare people but then also um trying to you know remove perceived competition or other things as well it's just the hypocrisy uh really gets to me and you know i even had a conversation with someone once and you know some of these larger players in the industry they don't have um i don't think they have a benefit in um having an educated consumer base at all. I don't think there's any advent. I don't think there's any advantage to having an educated consumer base that has a culturally, you know, accurate viewpoint on the industry, understands the industry, the industry understands, you know, the myth of THC percentage terpenes, uh, doesn't buy into the indica sativa hybrid side of things. Some of these larger brands, they just have no vested interest in that. And I think what really frustrates me is they are essentially tapping into reefer madness again 
with this product legal by saying, oh, untested, dangerous, you know, whatever. Okay, cannabis has been untested for a thousand years, right? And, you know, it's, you know, obviously that's an important part of the industry, but you're playing both sides of the fence. You're scare, 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 and then saying, oh, by the way, you know, here's this artificial enemy that we've created that doesn't, that's not actually an enemy and it's this self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy that right. only benefits yeah. them, right? Yeah. But the remediated weed. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's why that's, I actually said pesticide, just meaning like, you know, here's the one thing for sure, you know, you know, that you want to look out for to make sure that stuff's not in there. The rest of it, you know, it's called being educated and having a conversation with your caregiver and knowing what they're growing with yeah. and, you know, talking to people. Yeah, you know, exactly. As far as and the what they're you can using choose on their plants. Who to, who to align with and they don't feel comfortable with that right. person. They don't have to take their cannabis. I mean, you can't pick and choose when health safety comes into play. You can't say, oh, we're concerned about health and safety with caregivers. Also, by the way, as Kevin said, you know, Kevin and Tom have both said we're going to pre-remediate our cannabis and then not tell the consumer and just act like it's no big deal. You're playing both sides of the fence and right. cherry picking what benefits you. Yeah, there's some yeah. discussion going on about trying to get a remediation box on label and check it mm -hmm. off. If you remediated it even before the first testing. And uh, don't if you didn't, you know, let people let the consumer know if somebody wants to argue it doesn't alter anything and it's no big deal or right? because people do make those arguments and depending on which method is used and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's fine. Let the consumer know and let the consumer make the decision if that's important to them or not, at the very least. Yeah, Jamie, you, you know, you, you guys have brought up the MICIA a couple of times here. And, you know, I, I think that it's important to acknowledge that um, when people hear, you know, that, that, that the MICIA is an industry group, um, you know, they might get the, the wrong impression of what the MICA represents and what it does. But I want to clarify that right now for everyone. You know, I'm, I'm part of the legislative committee. Um, I do a lot of the reviewing of legislation that's proposed and kind of trying to find those loopholes that can be exploited because we know that when it's drafted by an opposing uh, group that that's trying to monopolize the industry, they're always trying to slide something through. So it's a, it's a very diligent, uh, time consuming uh, thing to be doing, but we do that on everything. And, and I know that when we do find things and we have discussions that those discussions mean something because that's exactly how it's then pitched on forward to the house reps and the senators and and whoever is being being referenced uh in those equations and so um you know if you're if you're a small business out there and you are you are struggling at, in these times with the low prices with the the, the fierce competition um you know truly truly reach out to the micia and look into them as a resource for you and consider membership with the micia robin schneider is is a a wonderful person uh she she is she has the best heart and she's doing this for all the right reasons and will re represent the the small player and is anti-monopoly and and wants to do the, the right thing and um i think it's all too important to share that message with our listeners because uh, i think that there are a lot of people in these times that don't know what to do and i think that if we band together and fight forward that we can make this a sustainable industry, something that's anti-monopolistic, that gives everybody a fair shake at trying to have a viable business. And uh, with that all being said, you know, we've, we talked in, in the pre-show about um, uh, traits for surviving these tough times, Jamie, and uh, you've kind of put together a few things that you've seen out in the field and what, what people are doing right out there and what people are doing wrong that are, that are, that are causing them tough times. Um, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about some of those things. Well, yeah, just, I mean, talked about a lot of it already. I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting too deep 
really, but I, I have noticed, you know, um, that those who are, you know, it, it's tough times right now. So I'm not saying people aren't necessarily struggling or, or looking out for, um, you know, other avenues of getting through the, these, these tough times. And there are some people that are like, you know, relatively stable at the moment too, even, in, you know, in spite of all this, but what I've noticed, uh, in common are, are those people who do have the historical and cultural perspective that we're discussing here as being important, you know, in decision-making who have recognized others with, you know, similar philosophical approaches and align themselves a little bit more and develop relationships and, and have maintained those, you know, through some thick and thin times and, you know, things that, uh, you know, have to be addressed, but have, you know, kept that, that network for many reasons of, of support and information and, synergy and and you know all the things you know needed for good and bad times uh and uh who haven't fallen into you know kind of a a same old sheep-like corporate trap you know those who haven't like applied seasoned industry practices you know to this emerging industry and instead have the knowledge of what it actually is going on and how to approach things circumstantially or realize that we're part of a an emerging changing variable you know scenario and there seems to be a stock market type mentality to people that come in and, you know, sell off quick and people panic and like corporate panic can't get you through the thick and thin, you and know what I mean? Yeah. It's relationships. And then there are those who are in that desperate panicky, you know, zone who aren't going to be creative and think outside of the box in a tough time and try to distinguish themselves in other ways of being a forefront of, you know, not being subject to these you know, ad populum kind of things. And they're the THC chasers and um, those who are, who are uh, closing stuff down, slowing down, you know, and uh, that's, those are the distinctions that I've, that I've kind of seen and uh, feel bad for how things are going. But of course, a lot of people predicted, you know, versions of this based on what's happened in other States. And you know, well, it's officially official. There is a Detroit yeah. free press article that just came out on the i don't know what the date was but yeah it was uh it was about the exact same thing about the michigan market and how how do people survive what are the traits of people that have made it in other states and other industries facing the exact same thing with multiple stacked class c's being allowed oversaturation mm -hmm. of flour coming into the market is necessarily a uh, caregivers never issue. a fan of that it's a corporate greed issue you know and it's and people are just gonna step on each other and each other until it collapses under its own weight if we don't have some kind of sensible approach to it uh, i mean capping licenses you know people throw that out there but we want the free market to decide but when the level playing field isn't there that's not capitalism it's corporatism and that's not and that's not right and there's no there's no help you know, it feels like there's no assistance or any being taken seriously. But now that uh, it's out in the newspaper, you know, more people are, you know, you start to see more panic, you know, and it's uh, it's just it's highly unfortunate. Yeah. Well, and, and Tom, it's it, we talked about this a few weeks ago when they changed the license type. So you, you don't have to stack licenses anymore. That's not a thing. You just get an ex one excessive grower's license, which costs the exact same amount as my class C 2000 plant count the exact same amount and they can grow as many plants as they want to grow so when it before when you had to stack them that's like fifty thousand on fifty thousand dollars on fifty thousand dollars on fifty thousand dollars to get up to whatever your forty thousand plant count right that costs a shitload of money and it, it's cost prohibitive right and that's where we had the the, the flower 
was was being cultivated in line with the market. Once they got rid of that, everybody's like, well, shit, I'm going to grow 80,000 plants. It's more money, right? You know, and it's like they don't even think about what they're going to do to the market with that 80,000 plants. But at the same time, the state allowed them to do that with no licensing fee, essentially, or reduced licensing fee. So um, I I think that's just that's just crazy. I was just kind of reading through the article here. It does have some pretty interesting points. They seem kind of obvious, but, uh, you know, a point of discussion for people that are listening, that are going through all the same things we are right now, you know, about your ability to, you know, what are the, what are the traits of people that have, you know, succeeded and made it through. And a lot of them are, you know, stay lean, um, you know, these, these corporate, these super top heavy companies with huge salaries at the top, you know, without, without the involvement of the owner, owner operators have a tendency to have a better chance of baking it through as long as you maintain your relationships. Um, uh, like, you know, threat, threats to the market right now being uh, things we discussed, like without any kind of cap on licenses and letting things go rampant, um, you know, that's obviously causing oversaturation. You know, can I jump, can I say something about that? You know, that reminds me of during the drafting process, there was some language that would allow the regulator, whoever that would turn out to be, you know, in this case, it'd be Brisbo, literally, you know, um, to be able to make the decision based on, you know, saturation or something like that to halt issuance of license and, you know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, many of us didn't want it in there, but the but the main, you know, actual drafter, the lawyer creating the language, Heather Aziz said, that person has the ability to do that regardless if we put it in there or not. Like the consideration was, does that make somebody feel more comfortable about it if it's in there or not? You know, that's the type of thing you think about with the language, knowing that there's going to be a, you know, a, a, an agency and a rulemaking process and all the details are going to come out later. Um, you're trying to attract people to the language to, to be in support of it and whether or not it was important to point that out or not. So I mean, I'm just saying, man, I, I don't I don't know if he can do it now or there has to be any change in a law or rule for him to be able to slow down on stuff given saturation situation. You know what? What I've what I've been given is is the pushback that they don't have the ability to do that. That we need to do that legislatively. And Jamie, you going through all this drafting at the same time that I was going through all this drafting, like we knew that um, we wanted to pass this through the voter amendment, and that way that they needed three quarters of the of the votes in the House and the Senate to be able to alter our bill, right? And I feel like they continually at every corner. I've had them happen happen like six or seven different issues. They always say, well, you guys are going to have to do it legislatively. Like, the, like I feel like the CRA wants us to open up the language so that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. And I don't know what it is, but if, but why is it that they keep suggesting that we open this up? And that, that again, makes me fearful. It made me fearful from the time that we even started talking about this, that they would open it up and completely gut our bill. And um, I mean, what, what fears do you have in, in, in what they're going to potentially do if they open this back up? Uh, you know, I feel like they're trying to influence us to, to influence our people to see it their way and open it up and make the, the changes that need to be made. But um, God, I'm scared of it, you know? Yeah, the influences, you know, come from all angles. And I think that the bottom line for a consideration for something like the CRA, it's weird how they have had some influence on, the, like they tried to, to be a part of pushing a law change at the end of last session, if you remember. And that was based upon combining licenses, which in and of itself isn't necessarily a bad idea. I think that the, you know, the medical program is kind of 
with its extra restrictions and prohibitions and limitations and costs and all that kind of stuff is kind of phasing itself out, you know, anyway. And so for there to be something considered for those few things, like a, a medical marijuana patient from 18 to, to 20, you know, still being able to get their medicine or something, you know, something along those lines, whatever, all those, whatever the little differences are that would have to be addressed and, and that kind of stuff to combine. But they try to throw so much other things in it. And that's the problem with those influences. So if something makes sense or somebody influences in a certain way and, you know, we know how resourceful some of these, you know, it's always smoke and mirrors. Are. You got to yeah, figure out yeah. what the real angle is because they're going to hide the real angle with something that sounds really good. Like you just yeah. said, they always do that. And generally, so, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just saying that Brisbane kind of likes to streamline things as the bureaucrat. I, this is my humble opinion. I'm not saying he would agree with that or anything like that. So I think that might have been why there was even a discussion about, you know, all package versus, you know, eliminating the deli style or, you know, mandating all prepackaged product or whatever. That might have been around an attempt to try to streamline things. I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. Uh, I believe that that was solely uh, influenced by these bigger companies that don't want people to see what they're actually selling. That's my opinion, uh, honestly. Hey, that you know what? No matter what, that obviously, based on what we know about the product, and you know, could play into that. I mean, it's certainly plausible. So, yeah, and and I don't understand why, if if it was solely about streamlining the process and having the medical and the adult use combined into one. Well, that, I'm not saying that might. This isn't like why they did it all. I'm just saying from Brisbo's perspective. No, no, and I'm talking about from Brisbo's perspective. Oh, okay. And from Brisbo's perspective, then then why did you have to include this open-ended budget for the state police to come in and do your enforcing? If you just wanted to streamline things, that's cool. Just put that on paper. You want to streamline things, and I think you'll get everybody to support it. But when you read through the the the, the, the legislation, you start to see what's actually in there. That's where it, that's where I had a line in the sand. I can't do the devil's this. in the details, right? The devil's in the details. The, to me, the driving factor of that bill was to get the state police involved at an unlimited budget to do enforcement. It had nothing to do with streamlining anything. That was the driving factor. The streamlining thing was the, the sugar coating to distract everybody. That's okay, what but I, I, be I believe it as as a bureaucratic department in a you know in a state trying to run a program, you know that that would be appealing. Whether or not there's all this other stuff oh. going around, and I, and I and I certainly think you're right. It's, you know, it's plausible. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, Jamie, you know we're we're getting uh, a little bit low on time here, but I did want to touch base before we we check out. You were up at uh, local roots the other day, and uh, you had a good time up there. I saw you with Rick Thompson, and uh, you were up there with uh, with Ryan. Uh, Basor, and it looks like uh, you grabbed up one of those 10 packs of uh, the Redemption Doobies and you had a little bit of a review on it. And, and what, what are your thoughts? So, um, you know, I don't smoke tobacco or whatever. And like the concept of I'm not used to like carrying around a pack, you know, of something. But I was at Cannabash and I came across Kyle Miller. And while I was talking to him, he took out a pack of Redemption and opened it up and grabbed a, a joint and started smoking it. And I said, I want to do that. So I made that clear to, to Ryan. I had a, had a nice gathering with him and Rick at uh, the Redemption offices for a little bit. And then we all went up to local roots and, and uh, met up with the Liskies and had a uh, nice little tour and discussion and got these great products. Uh, very happy about that and it's like uh you know it, it there's an extra step here uh there's like a, a moisturizer regulator pack in there with it they're sealed and when i open it up like the essence was really pronounced like you can tell it's like packaged really well and it maintains that integrity and stuff like that so 
I'm going to be getting those for a little bit because I really enjoy having a pack of cigarettes. For sure. I'd like to check them out. I haven't uh, got my hands on them yet, but I definitely want to do that. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Liskies uh, up at Local Roots. And I, I tell you what, um, you know, I met Roy about a year ago. Um, and I can't tell you how, how great a people they are. Um, you know, just like real good family people, they take care of their family, they take care of their, uh, their employees. It's super personalized, the experience up there. If you have not been up to Local Roots, you gotta go up there and check it out. These guys are really cool people. They're into music, they're into culture, all the stuff, all the good things. And Royal, a lot of times, Royal will stick his neck out there and fight for the things that are right even though if he's not doesn't necessarily have a, a, uh, someone in the fight himself, he, he understands the, that the culture, he understands what's right is right and what's wrong is what's wrong. And, uh, and so I have a ton of respect for Roy and, and, and his family up there at Local Roots. So if you haven't been up there, go check it out. Super cool place. Um, so yeah, Jamie, we're running out of time. One of the uh, places I think is maintaining themselves with the foundation yes. of relationships and being yes. aware and, and all the things we're discussing. Yep, the traits you were talking about earlier. I agree 100%. Um, but yeah, so Jamie, we're running out of time today, so we're gonna get uh, get going here pretty soon, but I wanted to give the guys uh, a chance to uh, have some final last words. And so uh, real quick, Tom, over at Relief, you got some final last words for uh, Jamie? Uh, just, you know, good to see you, brother. Can't wait to see you. Come visit us in the lounge. I'll see you in a week or so, right? Right on. I'm coming up for the NYCIA right. conference, so. Oh yeah, that's gonna be a good time. And Nate Darling over at the headquarters. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on uh, again here, Kevin and stuff. And I, I definitely concur with everything at the, in regards to local roots and the Liskey family. Uh, time and time again, we are seeing that doing the right thing, being good people can be profitable and should be profitable. So I agree with Jamie. Um, and, you know, I butt tend around, I butt tend on the weekends there, you know, pretty, pretty regularly, honestly. So I see both sides of it as well. And, they're doing everything right and they truly are uh, having those success stories one step at a time and it's somewhat of a unique environment because they're in that super rural environment and uh, the community has really come together uh, for local roots and I even see it with I mean there's people that know me there and I only work there on you know maybe every other weekend and stuff but they truly are invested in, in, in getting good product at a fair price and uh, for the right reasons. Yeah, I think all of that is what, um, you know, I, I love about cannabis is, is, is that that stuff, the, the, the culture. I, that's what I call it. It, it, it. That's what it is, you know, um, and I miss that about it. Um, I hate the corporate structure culture of cannabis. I, I think it just completely um, negates uh, the value of cannabis and its different varieties and its different uh, effects and, and all of it, you know, and so um, yeah, I, I do have a ton of respect for Local Roots as well. But um, Jamie, uh, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for you as well. Um, ever since I got back from Colorado and started um, working on activism, you were always there for everything. Uh, like I said, you're probably the most knowledgeable person that I know in the state of Michigan when it comes to cannabis and cannabis reform. Um, I can't thank you enough. We, we've talked about it several times on the show that we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us. And there's a lot of people that are standing on your shoulders, Jamie, and you've lifted a ton of weight over the years. And uh, this this community thanks you. You you are a true inspiration. I hope to the generation that follows, because we're going to need them to continue to fight for the small player and for the caregivers and for the patients and and for doing the right thing. Um, and again, thank you so much for all that hard work. It, you've done it without being compensated. Um, and and to me, that just demonstrates the kind of person that you are. And so, uh, Jamie, thanks again so much. Thank you for uh, for coming on the show and for always being an ally of ours. Really appreciate it, dude. 
Right on. Thank you very much, man. Had a, had a great time. Great discussion. Yeah, of course. We'll do it again sometime. Have you guys on my show, too. Yeah, for sure. And you know we're going to have you back on the show. We can't uh, help ourselves, you know. We, uh, we always like having you on and, uh, and chatting it up. So um, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in again. Again, this was episode number 106 with Jamie Lowell. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. The Smoke and Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at ryanb at redemptioncanna.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.